Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're going to speak to Ellen Moorhouse of Black Lane, Black Lane Studio, and we're going to find out what that is. But first, Ellen, tell us about your academic background. Well, I grew up in Etobicoke, which meant I ended up going to Etobicoke Collegiate Institute. In Toronto. In Toronto. Um, I got my BA at Smith College in the States. Um, and then later on, much, much later on, I got an ESL certificate uh, from George Brown College in Toronto. So that very briefly is my formal education, but I will say I learned most in the trenches of work that I did over the years. Okay, so let's move into that. Start with your work after university. Well, I started in uh, book publishing. I worked for Holt Reinhardt and Winston as an editor, um, actually on a beginning reading program and a Canadian dictionary. Interestingly, the first word I started with was debutante, which somehow seemed appropriate. Uh, from there, after a year, I landed a job, as one did in the, in the mid-60s uh, and late 60s. Uh, opportunities were open, and uh, I went with the flow, so to speak. I got a job teaching ESL, for which I was totally untrained, at what was then the Etobicoke Board of Education Manpower Retraining Division. That was later taken over at, by Humber College. And uh, I continued to work there for about five years. At that point, I thought, here I am teaching adults, this young kid, basically, in my early 20s. And these people were trying to do the hardest thing in their life. And that was to go back to school, learn to read, learn to speak a foreign language. And I thought, um, I should actually put myself through that same process. So. I decided what was hardest for me to do, it was writing. So I started volunteering for a local community newspaper called the Toronto Citizen during the years when um, it was the David Crombie years, the John Sewell years. It was the years when really politics in, in Toronto was were transformed and the community uh, stepped forward um, first in the Stop Spadina Expressway um, controversy, and then also um, in the development rush that was happening downtown. So at that point, I developed a real interest in local politics, um, sort of city issues, and so on. I also, working for that newspaper, got the basics of journalism, uh, how newspapers were put together and so on. So I went on, I actually got a, a job first at the Financial Times of Canada as um, uh, working on their desk there. In other words, I stepped into the quote, real world of journalism, unquote, and found that it was very much like working for a little community newspaper. 
Uh, I was 30 years in journalism uh, with the last 20 spent at the Toronto Star where I uh, managed some sections. The uh, uh, Sunday business section was one and the real estate sections. Always getting a perspective again on important city issues, especially in the real estate. Um, at that point, um, the newspapers were really thriving, the 80s and 90s, and even the early 2000s. Uh, we had lots of space to work with. I had uh, a lot of editorial freedom, and uh, I introduced things like um, what makes a condo architecturally good and so on. So it was uh, a really interesting time. 2004, I took a buyout from the star. And I, in 2006, I began volunteering in the community to help revive the Review Cinema, which uh, had closed. It closed in 2006. I worked on the board there. Um, we managed to open it in 2007. I went on to start some special programs. And I actually, um, program the cinema totally again totally unprepared <laughs> but fortunately had a great mentor and uh, again learned in the trenches how these things were done uh, at a certain point all, all through my career um, I had never thought I'd end up with a pension so I bought some real estate along the way really so I'd be have some rental income and part of that uh, was a building on Roncesvalles in Toronto again it was actually on Roncesvalles in Roncesvalles village uh, it has a studio at the back uh, originally occupied by a sculptor then a yoga studio and then when it came vacant in 2015 I thought you know, the Review Cinema really needed uh, a film incubator for youth. And I thought, our neighborhoods are changing. Again, going back to my interest in, in our local environment, our city environment, our neighborhoods are changing so quickly. Wouldn't it be great to get kids to make videos of the neighborhood? It would introduce them to their community in a new way. Uh, and it would also help preserve some of these stories of, of people who, you know, after years of being in business, are leaving. So that uh, led to Backlane Studios, which I guess is the next topic. Well, okay, so now we have a little background of the physical plant. How did you come up with the name? Backlane Studios. Um, the studio actually is on a laneway, and the main door is off the back lane, hence Backlane Studios. So what's the purpose of the organization? We are always evolving in what we are doing. As I mentioned before, the vision at the beginning was to get kids to make videos about the neighborhood. And we worked with um, Bishop Morocco Thomas Merton High School uh, for quite a number of classes. And that was thanks to a woman called Gina McCabe, who was uh, involved 
uh, with Backlane Studios and had been a teacher there and had taught video. So uh, we did that. But then um, I applied for some seniors grants uh, under the New Horizons for Seniors programs. And uh, as a result of that, we began making videos uh, recording senior stories. Uh, we ended up making about 40 of those. Um, since that main focus, um, the studio has evolved in one part because of its physical existence as a place where people in the community can have art exhibits. Um, we have uh, a woman, um, Deanna Nazareth, um, who teaches photography, and she has these wonderful programs for kids, both in the summer and PA days and after school. And uh, we also have uh, writing programs um, for adults, We've even had knitting programs. So it's become a bit of a hub for creative ventures. But I will say, and that's in part because we have a physical place that people can use at very economical rates. Um, but our main focus has become this mapping our memories. I wanted to find a way of giving people access to the memories uh, that we've collected and many more seniors' memories we hope to collect as we move forward. The idea, and it seems to be an idea that's gaining traction really around the world, uh, it's to create a digital map and then pin stories, photos, video, whatever, to places on that map. So really you're creating a digital table of contents for these seniors' memories. This is our main focus. This will be our main focus moving forward. But at the same time, the parallel uh, existence <laughs> of the studio and the, the, the accommodation that we can offer to people. Ellen, talk about the importance of team and partnership. Well, this is something that, again, we are really going to have to work on building in the future. But obviously, uh, one of the important partnerships we have are with the experts who can provide programming in our space. So that's one partnership. And again, I, I mentioned Deanna Nazareth, who, uh, with her wonderful photography. Um, we also... Uh, are partnering or working with, I should, is, is more like it, but working with historical societies. And I hope moving forward, they will become increasingly a source of stories. We're working most closely with Lambton House, thanks to um, a former Swansea public school teacher, Chris Higgins, who is involved with collecting local histories in um, the area of along the Humber River uh, called uh, it's Warren Park and, and the old city of York. So, or the old town of York, I should say. So historical societies. Um, I'm also uh, working with an organization uh, it's a virtual organization called the Ward Museum, which is focused on collecting newcomer stories. 
we will be working with them to uh, collect uh, new the seniors newcomer stories in Parkdale uh, for this mapping our memories project, and uh, we've also uh, worked with, uh, for example, the Toronto Archives, and uh, we presented some uh, workshops, a wonderful workshop that um, their. Um, uh, one of their um, presenters gave of uh, using the archives digital uh, sources for research. And uh, but yes, uh, the only thing that will sustain this moving forward are those kinds of partnerships. So with the pandemic, has that changed what you're doing? Because the brick and mortar is great you can't really have people in the way you used to. Yeah, and it certainly set us back. We were planning to do, uh, when the pandemic began, we were planning to do work with the um, uh, clientele of um, the Parkdale Activity Recreation Center, uh, which is on Queen Street, uh, an amazing, again, social enterprise. Uh, and we were going to work with some of their uh, clients, um, give them uh, cameras and have them go and take photographs of their everyday life or photographs of, of some important places for them in Parkdale and to have them discuss what it is there that means home to them. And we would, we'd been working on that and then boom, the pandemic is here. So all of that was gone. Uh, we have done Zoom meetings uh, for sure, but uh, I will say we are uh, looking forward to when we can go back without restrictions to using our physical space. And um, But I will say that I think Zoom and uh, other digital platforms will have changed the way we work forever. So do you think going forward, it'll be half online and half in the studio? Uh, I, oh, absolutely. And there's no, no question that Zoom, uh, and, and it's interesting how seniors have embraced Zoom, uh, both for the programs they participate in and for communicating with their their relatives and grandchildren and so on. Uh, Zoom is such a wonderful device for making interviews because you can record it, as you know. <laughs> and uh, it makes, and you can record video. I just edited a little video um, uh, of uh, uh, a Zoom recording. And yeah, we don't necessarily look great on Zoom, but uh, boy, it's handy. <laughs> Absolutely. So who is your backup person to you? Well, I think moving forward, it's probably going to be Chris, <laughs> who I mentioned before, the former teacher who has uh, a real um, expertise in teaching, historical interest, expertise in tech, and delivering, uh, you know, programs on technical programs, um, websites, and so on. 
because the reason I ask that is you're allowed to be sick. You're allowed to go on vacation. You're allowed to take days off. Peter, do you? <laughs> no, I only work seven days a week. Exactly. was an eight, but we haven't got that yet. And whenever you go, wherever you go, um, usually uh, there's Wi-Fi. That's true. Okay. So three years from now, what's back lane going to look like? I hope that uh, we will get um, people acquainted with our online mapping program. And I hope that there will be interest in, in contributing to it, that we will have refined it. Um, I just hope that we can pull it off and uh, that it becomes a real way for people to share memories, um, share knowledge. I just, I think it's so important, um, the whole process of, of recognizing seniors' memories and experience. It's so important for what it brings to everybody, but it's also important for the seniors to know that what they have lived is really valued and they have information that's really important for our collective history. And I, I, I think it's also really important for people to understand what life has been like in their neighborhoods. And it means that I think that they will value uh, their environment much more. That's terrific. You're passionate about what you do. When's the book coming out? Well, funny you should ask that. I do have a little book that's, uh, unfortunately, the uh, designer had a bit of a, a catastrophic, catastrophic event uh, recently and lost a lot of uh, our corrections and so on. But actually, I've, um, I did a book over the pandemic um, on uh, seniors' favorite childhood food. And... Uh, it's interesting um, how food is really such a wonderful gateway to memory. And especially, you know, because you can start talking about something very concrete and you end up uh, with these wonderful memories. And of course, in most cases, people talked about their mothers or fathers in the end and uh, what it was like. So that will be out very soon, I hope. Oh, I, I think you've got the writing skills to do that. In fact, you could go back and edit books for other people. Um, the, the one that I, I co-wrote with Carla, uh, we had an editor who uh, went through our book and made all kinds of suggestions. Yeah, well, it is... Um, uh, but you know what's so important is to try to preserve people's voices. Absolutely. So it doesn't all sound the same. People have um, unique ways of describing things and so on. So we journalists often tend to work on a formula. Ellen, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. You uh, have a great organization. I hope you can expand it to other communities. 
and it would certainly make a difference. Well, thank you, Peter, very much for your time and your interest.